Welcome back, one and all, to episode 193 of the original Giraffe Breakdown Podcast. I'm your host, Seth Cox. With me tonight, my co-host, Justin Higdon. And Justin, uh, as we've warned people, a a interesting time of year for you right now. And But we're back to uh, talk a little bit about college football and the 2024 NFL draft prospects that go with that. But how you been, man? I've been, I've been good. I have a killer uh, class this semester with pretty much something four nights a week. And uh, so it's been really tough to find time to record. However, the good news is that class is winding down. I'm just about done with all the major big stuff for that class. Just a couple more hearings to do and We'll be on to the next one, so I don't think there will be another semester like this, but who knows? It's my third year here doing this uh, legal stuff, so um, hopefully, you know, we're, we're good to go now. So uh, we're going to do two episodes this week. We'll do one for iTunes, Spotify, etc., and we'll do one for the patrons. So if you want to become a patron, a patron, go to our Patreon site. It's linked here in our show. And um, you can subscribe for two bucks a month. Uh, we haven't been, we haven't done any Patreon bonus episodes, but we have done a couple articles each week that we put out there for all the Patreons. And I'll probably pause Patreon billing in November just to make it up for make up for the lost time. But um, we try and be fair. And if we're not putting out the content that people are subscribing for, we're gonna make it free for a month to pay them back. So. Right, and and we try to always keep up with that, like you said, at least the articles to give you guys a little talk, and and you know we've talked about some interesting prospects on there. We've highlighted some some guys, um, and it, it's been a real good time. I mean, uh, two weeks ago I looked at, at pass rushers. This week I talked about some intriguing um, different players uh so you know there's a lot of great stuff on there not just because we we write it but just overall there's a lot of good stuff that that goes into it every every week so give it a look and like justin said probably take advantage because you might be able to get the month of november for free so um but we're gonna get started and and yeah i want to say real quick those are the those articles too that's where we really go into the under the radar type of guys so we're 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 talking about some big names tonight, but um, that, those articles are where we kind of get nitty gritty into the guys that are going to be in like the hula bowl and the, the uh, do they do the NFLPA bowl anymore? No, the no bowl. they they canceled the right. NFLPA, but College yeah, football so, showcase those kind of things. Yeah, so and and the thing is, uh, you know, when we do go to the quarterback situation, there's not really much you can do. Um, with the small school guys. And that's not that there won't be a small school guy every once in a while. I mean, hell, Tyson Badge yeah. is going to be the starter at least for the next couple of weeks uh, while Justin Fields figures out how to uh, throw football without a thumb. So Yeah, uh, and uh, Bajan actually came into – I was at the game yesterday, uh, my first Bears game in a couple of years, and got to see Bajan in person. And I will say this, he was getting rid of the ball quickly. So – Take that. Uh, yeah. And so so that's why typically quarterbacks we we won't discuss on that, but you know, everything else, especially uh running backs, wide receivers, pass rushers, we, we really get into that, uh defensive backs as well. Um but 
yeah, this is a this was a big week for quarterbacks in this quarterback class, and and one of the things that we've talked about quite a bit is that this is just probably, um, you know, a slightly overhyped but very very good quarterback class, right? Because we're we're being um, inundated with the word generational. Um, and let's be honest, every quarterback class is slightly overhyped this time of year, right? They, they, the yeah, they draft has six, five or six or seven guys in the first round. We know that's not how it's going to play out. Usually, I think there's only been a couple times I can remember that six quarterbacks went in the first round. And most of our listeners and even ourselves are probably too young to remember the first, the, the 1983 draft. I don't remember that. I'm not that no. old. Right. And so, you know, those things all matter and, and, it's not too much in terms of, of you know, we're not going to go completely counterculture and against the grain, but I think this weekend kind of showed what our hesitations have been with certain guys all along. And, and not to say that they're not elite or, you know, have elite potential, but we'll start with Caleb Williams. Um, one of the things that I've said, and, and I know you've said, is that, I don't want to say there's a concern with Caleb Williams, but there is a reality with Caleb Williams that, you know, he plays in one of the more friendly offenses in the, uh, in college football. He has some of the most elite talent around him in college football. And he plays in probably one of the worst conferences in college football. Although the, the big 10, the future big 10 teams have been playing really well. Right. But I mean, for the most part, this has been, you know, through the first part of this year and even last year, he feasted on bad teams. And then when he faced good teams, he wasn't bad, but he wasn't the guy where you're talking about the next Patrick Mahomes or the next, you know. Um, and so this week, you know, he he had Notre Dame. He played very poorly. That's coming off a game against U of A where he played – very poorly i would Uh, say yeah i mean very might be strong there because he did kind of bring him back but ultimately and ultimately they they won that game but you saw the pressure the pressure when he didn't have all time all the time to dance around and we see that with all the lincoln riley quarterbacks right right and i mean and and it's one of the things we said about caleb williams is and it's not a shot because obviously they both went first overall, but on the athleticism scale, he's probably closer to Baker Mayfield than he is Kyler Murray, right? Like he's not, he's not moving at the elite, uh, elite ability that Mur- Murray does when uh, he's a bit, a, able to extend plays and, and make plays of that nature. So I would all say of he's like, cause he's not going to be running a four, three. Okay. But he's right. also going to run like a four, five, maybe high four, fours. So he's kind of in the middle. Baker was a four, eight guy. He's, he's, he, he's probably, I mean the guy he's probably closer to athletically is like Jalen hurts. I uh, think that's fair. Although I think he's a little bit, you know, hurts is more power. Right. Williams more finesse. I mean, Hurt still ran a sub four six, and right. he's what two hundred and fifty five, sixty pounds, yes. whatever. No. <laughs> it just looks like it because his, his he's got legs like fullback. Yeah, so um, you know, you look at that, and and so 
it's it is one of the things you know a buddy of ours billy m uh, 91 on twitter has talked about quite a bit you know a lot of the plays that they highlight and you t- and i talk about it you know in, in our own text messages that they highlight are not plays that translate or are not play like you can extrapolate good things from the play mm-hmm. but they're not plays that you look at and go that's a play that he can make at the next level the plays um, show off his traits he's got a good arm we know that he's athletic he buys time we know that there's a lot of scramble drill balls in this offense because there's a lot of downfield vertical routes. And when he has all the time in the world, the receivers can adjust their routes to his scrambling ability. And you see great things happen, big plays. But like what you're saying is you're not seeing – it's not a Sunday play unless you're actually watching. If you really think he's Patrick Mahomes, then maybe. Right. But even Mahomes, you know, had to – adjust what he was doing at times Mm -hmm. and and he gets himself in trouble at times um doing some of the things that he which what makes him great and so that'll be what's interesting to kind of follow along with and and see how that all works because um like you said the arm strength is excellent uh the the ability to make plays off off of time is excellent but overall he's got the similar issues to what Mayfield and Murray have and and the biggest one for me is being what he's able or unable to do consistently in the pocket over the middle of the field um so they're going to want to see in the lead up to the draft they're going to want to see him play you know, his pro day, they're going to want to see more structure, uh, more pro-style type of dropbacks and things like that where he's throwing from the pocket. And I think one of the concerns that people are going to have to have is he's not very tall. And we've seen shorter quarterbacks have some struggles in recent years as the league has, you know, the league uh, wasn't ready for the, a lot of these short quarterbacks and they were making plays all over the place. And now the league seems to have adjusted and is making things more difficult and Tua actually talked about this and how he um like there's certain angles where he's not able to see so he has they've adjusted you know they're doing great things on offense in Miami but Tua has been pretty candid about what life is like for a shorter quarterback in the NFL so that's going to be something that scouts are going to want to see when we get closer and uh, you know three uh first half picks I think that was a career high for Williams uh, just a couple weeks ago, I mean, going into that game, what, he had 21 touchdowns and one pick on the year? Well, and you look at it, the last, like I said, those last two games he's played, you know, a, a triple overtime win over a bad Arizona team um, and, a, and a blowout loss to an average Notre Dame team. It's a fantastic yeah. Notre Dame team um, <laughs> that almost beat Ohio State. It's... Yeah. And... <laughs> and you know, it really goes it's to It's a really show, good defense, though. It is. It's an excellent defense, a, you know, an average at best offense. You've got some good corners. You've got some pass rush. They've got some good linebackers. It's, a, you know, Marcus Freeman's done a good job with that defense. And um, it really gave Caleb all, all kinds of problems, especially right, early in the game. And Notre Dame was able to get comfortable, you know, get some space in that score. 
Right, and in those last two games, you know, he's got 418 yards, two touchdowns, three interceptions. That's, I mean. I mean, he was throwing for that many yards in a game. <laughs> right. Heading into those those two weeks. So, And Arizona, right. uh, now three and three. And don't tell Wazoo that Arizona's bad because they're, they're going to feel bad. Yeah, I mean, okay, maybe bad is a strong word, but they're not, they're not a team that you fear by any means. They're not a team that you should expect to go to triple overtime with. Not USC. Uh, certainly not a team right. of USC's caliber. And, well, especially at home. And I picked USC to make the playoff. I think I'd had a couple of drinks that day. You well, and I, into it, and now it's that's not looking very good. Well, I, I it also looks like they're just not a very complete team. I mean, they they struggled to close out Colorado, who's obviously right. a bad you know a bad team. They let them come uh, way back, and uh, they're giving up a ton of points. Yeah, and that's a classic Lincoln Riley you know situation. So I know that USC fans are not happy with Alex Grinch, and I got some experience with the Alex Grinch defense when he was at Ohio State and they you know they had had enough of him and that's why you got Jim Knowles in there now for the Buckeyes on the flip side we saw a similar start to the day for Drake May but he ended up kind of pulling it together uh, and and putting together a decent game again nothing um, nothing where the stats if you take out one big thing, the stats look really good, right? 273 yards and four touchdowns, but uh, 51% completion percentage. Right. So I know the, the the stats look fantastic, but he didn't play overly well, especially in the first half well, of that game. Right. Miami was putting tons of pressure on him. He didn't have much time to deliver. And I think in the first half, he was something like 6 for 15 or 6 for 17. So you saw him pick it up, like you said, in the second half. Um, but what you, what you have with May, and I totally get why people, are, why people like him. And, you know, you're, you can guarantee, I'll guarantee it right now, tonight, um, on October 16th. You'll probably hear this on the 17th. But uh, there are going to be teams. It's immediately when January kicks off. You're going to have Matt Miller or some of these other high-profile draftniks that hear things through the grapevine. They're going to say, we know X number of teams has Drake May over Williams on their board. That's a guarantee. Yeah, and that's how, I mean, that's just how it always works, right? right? Like, those those things just come into fruition kind of out of nowhere, and you're like, okay, um, I guess. Uh, when you look at May and what his body of work this year, um, you know, you have to be impressed again. I mean, he's he's a fantastic prospect, but he hasn't put up nearly the numbers that Caleb Williams has. Um, he obviously doesn't have the the star-studded talent. He finally got his best playmaker, Quez Walker, eligible. Um, you know, and and thankfully they're five and zero still, um, and and not having Walker one of those games didn't real or sorry, six and no and, and not having Walker one of those games didn't hurt them I think because, they I think they just got him back for the last two games. So Right, right. Yeah. So it's just been the last two games and that would have been a really, you know, crappy thing for them overall as a team to end up, you know, losing one of those games and potentially not saying they will, but potentially missing out on the playoffs because because, you know, they 
didn't have Quez Walker because the NCAA is dumb. Is it Quez uh, or Tez? Tez. I, I th- or we gotta, it is. We got to fact check that one. Oh, Devon Tez. Yeah, yeah so they Tez call him Walker. Tez. Yep. Yeah, yeah. So That's um, okay. We're, we're known for screwing up names. I was thinking of Quez <laughs> You're Watkins. You're thinking of the Eagles receiver. Yeah, Quez Watkins. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and so you look at that. I'm I'm excited to see the back half of the season with him. Um, you know, because now they have Tez. They've got a good back half of the schedule from a from an opponent standpoint. I mean, Virginia is terrible, and Georgia Tech is terrible, and Campbell is a you know F- FCS school. But they end with Duke and Clemson, and and you look at it that is you know a duke team that's that's played well this year that's still five and one they're a top 20 team in the country and then clemson even though uh they have the two losses they're going to end up probably with 10 wins again it looks like uh and and that's going to be a and and their two losses are going to be to duke and florida state going you know potentially going into that game we'll see what happens against clemson or against notre dame in a couple of weeks, uh, that could be a three to zero game with how those offenses look sometimes. Um, but you know, but just wrapping up with May, they still end up scoring, I think, forty one points in that game. Yeah, yeah, he looked, he finished. I mean, it, it, from pound for pound, in, in or in a half or whatever, um, that was probably the best quarterback play I've seen all season. In the second uh, half is what you're talking. Yeah, about. Yeah, yeah. That I mean, that was like you said. He, the adjustment he made, everything he did. I think the only guy that really outplayed him from a, just a standpoint all week was the kid from Stanford who had what nine hundred yards receiving or whatever it was. <laughs> right, and we'll talk about him next year because he's a true sophomore. Uh, but yeah, so that was a great game. Trust me, I uh, looked him up immediately. I was like, whoa, who's this guy? Uh, we had. And, and also, uh, one, one more thing on, on May, too. You got, they've got a lot of design run plays. You can see he's super athletic. He's, he's going to be 6'4", 225, and he's got easy arm strength. They're, again, there are going to be a lot of teams that, that prefer him uh, to Williams, but is it going to be the teams drafting at the, in the top three, two or three, that want quarterbacks? What are they? The important thing is what do they think? Let me ask you this. The all the bluster from from Caleb Williams thus far, um, we have not heard any of it from the Drake May camp. Is that something that can come into play as we get into draft season? Yeah, for sure. I think you know, and for those of you that don't uh, know what Seth's talking about, like um, we've heard from I think it was Caleb Williams' father, right, that he didn't want to play for the Cardinals. Yeah, and, and that he would he, go back to school. And, and, so yeah, um, you were trying to say something. You had a little mic issue that we got worked out, but yeah, I mean, and and so he's allegedly there's five teams he's willing to play for, and to me, that's insanity if you want to be the first overall pick right yeah. you can't you can't dictate it, that you type play of stuff. For miami san francisco <laughs> <laughs> i know right the best teams um let me let me look I'll, I'll look that up while we get to the next topic but, which but, was um with 
so to answer your question though, yeah, absolutely. That's the thing because Williams is only a junior and, um, and, uh, May is a redshirt sophomore. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, May's only redshirt sophomore. So, um, either of these guys could just decide to come back to school. Neither one of them is, is, um, a shoe in for being in this draft. So it's an interesting conversation that be had. I, th- I still think ultimately they both go in because they're both going to be top two or three picks. Well, and you know, even with the NIL, it, it, like we're talking a different stratospheres of money. Like you can't afford to take the chance of getting hurt. Yeah. I mean, you and just that's can't. A big, that's a big and then, concern. And they're not going to sit out like Twitter suggests every year. Right, like they're saying Brock Bauer should if he's really hurt, you know, Which, not try to not try to come back for the college football playoffs. It's like, hey, just abandon your team that you've won two national championships with because you've accomplished everything you need to in your career, right? Which I get the idea behind that, but I don't think he's going to do that. They're saying, we'll, we'll skip ahead to that one real quick, but um, he's going to be out. Bowers is hurt. He's got an ankle injury. He had to have surgery. And uh, they're saying he's going to be out four to six weeks. I'd bet on the long end of that. After his surgery, I mean, I think he'll come back. You're the for, expert in that in for the surgery. Yeah, unfortunately, um, I think he'll come back in in time for the college football playoffs. Like, I don't think yeah. he might be able to go. Is it the second or the first December or first week in December or the last week in November? The SEC championship game. It'll be the uh, first weekend in uh, December. And so maybe that would be, I mean, that would definitely be pushing it. Yeah, Saturday, December 2nd. That would still be pushing it to me um, for for a post-surgical return. But, you know. Yeah, take it easy, young man. Um, So, yeah, that covers our Bowers coverage. Real real quick, Caleb's alleged five teams. And the funny thing is the person that told me, and I'm not going to say who it was, has – has nothing to do with like the Cardinals or anything, but he was at a dinner that Caleb Williams dad was at and Caleb Williams dad was openly talking about how he won't play for a number of teams, including the Cardinals. And it was like, it was like, dude, what is your dad doing to you? And like your future, like sometimes it's just, just shut up, right? We do Man, have like, a stage dad phenomenon that's kind of come over, over the sports world in the last like, decade or so. Because we've seen this with other people. We heard, you know, rest in peace, Dwayne Haskins. We heard things about his dad leading up to the draft, and that was one of the reasons people were kind of shying away from him. Um, and we've heard about other players, too. I can't remember off the top of my head. And you, then you have the situation with the Sanders brothers right. and where their father's their, their head coach, and he's already saying, no, they're not going pro next year so i take it with a grain of salt things will change and of course coach prime was certainly about the the fame and the notoriety and so i mean but maybe he doesn't want the same thing for his sons yeah so allegedly the five teams that he would like to play for are the cowboys who probably won't be picking first overall uh and the 49ers so again (laughs) probably not going to be in that region but three teams that could be the raiders the vikings and the giants um i don't know why the raiders the vikings kind of make sense i mean obviously justin jefferson's great kevin o'connell has shown to be a good 
you know, offensive play caller. And the Giants. And Cousins is a free agent, too. Yeah, and the Giants make do make sense when you look at it from the fact of that uh, Dayball's, a, you know, has shown an ability to be a good play caller. And we're talking about New York. I mean, always yep. a draw in things. So. I would like that matchup. I would, I would like to see. That would be fun to see him in a Dayball offense with uh, Saquon Barkley. Yeah, and, and if they can add a couple wide receivers, yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, we had a great individual quarterback matchup and a great game on Saturday uh, as Washington held on, beat uh, Oregon with just under two minutes to go. They they uh, Romeo Dunze caught a, an 18-yard touchdown pass from Michael Penix to give the – the Huskies a, a 36-33 lead, and they, they held on. Fantastic, fantastic football game. Um, Interesting decision by Dan Lanning. Oregon goes for it on fourth down with over two minutes, um, but they still had, I think, all their timeouts. And rather than punt the ball away, he goes for it. They don't get it. It leads to a lightning-quick Penix drive where he makes a couple of terrific back shoulder throws, including the, uh, the, the touchdown pass to Dunze. Um Really, Penix, to me, wasn't looking very – he wasn't looking that great to me. But then at the end, he makes several Some big clutch throws. throws. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and you look at it, you've got Penix finished under 60% completions but had over 300 yards, four touchdowns. He had the interception. Then you had Bo Nix, who, you know, 75% completion, 337 yards, but his his yards per attempt was under eight and his, his – uh, Average yards per attempt was under nine, or adjusted yards per attempt was under nine, um, which is you know on the lower end of things, and that begs the question: Are you looking at this as Penix is the better prospect than Knicks, or is this a, or is this one of the situations where you can be like, hey, both these guys are actually decent players? I think that you can say they're both decent players. I don't think that the uh, who's the better prospect was decided by this game. Although it was, it's always awesome to see two touted prospects face against each other and you get that one-on-one and, you know, you get to see in, in Washington's case, they just have a phenomenal receiving core. They go three deep there and then you got Troy Franklin on Oregon. So you saw bunch of good receiver prospects on both sides by um, the way i mean it, it was insane you had 154 yards from franklin odunze had 128 yards and two touchdowns jalen polk the other guy from washington he's like the third guy yeah he had 118 yards and a touchdown i mean this game was just insane to watch and then you had you know running backs bucky irving and dylan johnson both go over 100 yards like this was just a great game it's a good um, fashion shootout it was it was pac 12 after dark in the middle of the day right like it was just a fun game to watch and i think that um, was the game college game day was there like that was the game everybody was waiting for even though notre dame and uh, usc was on the on the slate that day it was this it, was still it, like the premium yeah, and game. i think i think the two things were i think it's a, a dual you know type of thing is that one I don't know how many people are buying USC. I think people like the hype of Caleb Williams, but I think coming off that kind of disappointing last two weeks um, and then, 
Notre Dame, you know, obviously losing to to uh, Louisville the week before really kind of took some of the shine off of that game. Right. And in this in this game, Oregon Washington, you had two undefeated teams. Washington's the last undefeated team standing, I think, in the big in the Pac-12, right? Yeah, and and so it'll be interesting to kind of watch how so, this. Yeah, who would you pick though, Knicks or Penix? And I think we should qualify this. Is I, I we're looking at these guys, they're getting mocked in the first round. I think they're day two prospects. That's my qualification on this. Yeah, I I just struggle. I mean, I guess Penix will be thrown to NFL wide receivers all the time in in the NFL. So I don't want to take that away from him. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, I go back and forth with this one because I think that Bo Nix is kind of a guy that has has grown. A, I mean, but so is Penix. I mean, right? They both I mean, it's turned... funny because what you have is you, you can't forget Bo Nix time at Auburn, and you can't forget Penix time at Indiana, where right. they both had struggles. They both showed flashes, then they had struggles, and then ultimately they transfer and they find these great homes and they're doing really good things and they've re they've completely rejuvenated their their draft outlooks like these guys were forgotten at their old homes and now they're being mocked in first rounds it's incredible yeah and i like i you know i probably take nicks but it's not like a far and away thing like i think mm-hmm. i think Penix is a good like you said a day two guy um that's got a good chance. He's going to be drafted on day one, probably just the way the way things are going. Yeah, yeah, work. But speaking of guys that look like day two, but have been playing really well, Jaden Daniels of LSU just continues to put up numbers. I mean, outside of being unable to not get obliterated week in and week out on one run a, a game, <laughs> um, he just looks really good. He is, I think he's the Heisman front runner right now. He's completing 73% of his passes, um, over 2,200 yards, 22 touchdowns, three picks, and he's rushed for 515 yards and four touchdowns. Um, last three games, okay, 414 yards passing and 99 yards rushing against against Ole Miss. Against Mizzou, he had 259 yards, uh, three touchdowns passing 130 yards rushing in a touchdown and then this past weekend against Auburn and these are they're two and one in these games they lost the Ole Miss game but uh, he was 20 at 27 325 yards three touchdowns a pick 93 yards rushing he's just he's kind of putting up video game numbers at the quarterback spot and we know that Heisman voters love big passing numbers coupled with big rushing numbers and LSU uh, is five and two. So they're good enough, as long as they don't lose like three more games. They're good enough to keep him in there. To me, he's the Heisman front runner right now. And it's, you know, there's a lot of competition. We'll say that. The interesting thing is, is if he gets LSU to the SEC championship game against Georgia, which, you know, I wouldn't say is a 100% lock this year based on what we've seen um, from from Georgia, but it you know they they are the heavy favorites still. Alabama's undefeated in the West. They have the one loss overall. LSU obviously has the issue that they've already lost to Ole Miss, so they cannot lose again. Um, but 
if they beat Alabama head to head, you have to assume that Alabama is going to be Ole Miss and and take them out of the running for the SEC West. Like it'll be interesting to see how this all ends up because I think that'll play into what you're talking about here. Is that that could be one the situation where um, it it opens things up overall. Um, yeah, and I wouldn't assume Alabama beats anybody at this stage. They're, I know they've looked really shaky. They just don't. I mean, they don't have a quarterback um, that they're accustomed to having. You know, Mil- Milrose played all right. Don't get me wrong. No. And he's a redshirt freshman, right? Right. I don't want to be too hard on him. Um, and we saw what they have behind him. Sorry, he's a redshirt sophomore. I okay, yeah. And we saw what's behind him on the depth chart. Like they, He's still the best guy they have. And he, he does a lot of things well, but he's just un- unproven, untested as a passer. And uh, So I wouldn't. You know, they seem like they they won twenty seven to twenty against Arkansas. They had a healthy lead. They let Arkansas kind of creep their way back, but ultimately Alabama hangs on. But uh, they look vulnerable this year. We've talked about that many times. I have my theory: Nick Saban is going to retire after this year. That's completely unfounded and speculation. I have no inside knowledge, um, but I just feel like now's a good time. He's getting up there. He can do TV and make easy Urban Meyer money um, on big new kickoff or whatever. So I'm I'm just throwing that out there. That's my theory. But is Daniels, with his play, you know, we talk about it in terms of Heisman. Is And, you know, a lot of people are going to tell me I'm wrong and that Penix is actually the Heisman front runner. I'll hear that argument, too, because, again, Washington's unbeaten. Penix is... Way up there in passing yards, he's throwing for 400 yards a game, um, so he might actually be the front runner. But what Daniels does on the ground and as a passer, and he's another guy who's a transfer from ASU to LSU. Um, could he become the top senior quarterback in this class? We always talk about Penix and, and Knicks. Daniels is really making a name for himself. Yeah, and I think, like you said, if It'll be tough to beat Penix if they go undefeated, in you know, based on when voting happens and everything, mm-hmm. and make and make the college football playoffs. Um, I think Daniels is out of it with another loss, which means you know if they do lose to Alabama in their in their head to head matchup, then he's probably out of it just off of record alone. Whether or, that's or by out of it, maybe like. Still top five, but right, not, right. Not he's winner. not going right, not a right. winner, but like he'll finish like third. Yeah, ultimately he'll, he, the QB wins is what win out, right? Right, exactly. That's yeah. how you get an Eric Crouch winning a Heisman. Um, I want to say this to our good pal uh, Emery Hunt at Football Game Plan on on Twitter. You all know him from CBS Sports and Ross Tucker's uh, Football Draft College Draft podcast. Emery the other day on Twitter, Twitter he or X. He compared uh, Jaden Daniels' running ability to Lamar Jackson, so high praise. Uh, we all liked M- Lamar Jackson coming out. We thought he was the best quarterback in 2018 in that class. Um, you, that still might be debatable. I think people, so a lot of people will say Josh Allen, but Lamar's been fantastic as a pro. Uh, I thought that was very lofty praise to compare the two, uh, to Daniels, to uh, Lamar as a runner. Let's look at some of the movement that's been going on on the consensus big board right now. That's always uh, fun. It's, 
it's not too bad, you know. It's it's not, holding pretty stable. I noticed it, it is. It is. Uh, Amika Egbuka has moved down a little bit. Disagree uh, strongly. Dropped out of the top ten. Uh, obviously disagree. Um, he's dropping because he's injured. Yeah, but I get and it. and and you know, I think the only one that we have a huge issue with, and the other one that we don't really like very much. Uh, just because of the position, are are Brock Bowers and Jared Verse over him right now? Well, they've got uh, Verse ranked fifth on the consensus board, but then he's projected. If you look at the mock drafts, he's falling in the mocks. Yeah, he's to twelve. To go twelfth. Yeah, I thought it was interesting. Uh, they had Caleb Williams. He's at one, but he was at three. Right behind Mar- Marvin Harrison Jr. and Drake May. Yeah, and then um, Bowers, they have fourth overall, but he's going 15th, which if he goes 15th, I have no problem with that. That I seems really don't. way more I, logical. Than four? I know <laughs> it's. it might seem quibbling because you're still talking about a high first-round pick, and we've talked a lot about position values, but it's kind of the same argument we – similar argument we made with, with Jalen Carter where, where he ends up actually getting drafted was, what, ninth overall? Yeah. And we were – we were mainly spending our time arguing that he shouldn't go number one. So, as always, and, uh, we were correct. But he's been <laughs> fantastic. He's, yeah, he has he, and, been. He, and he got to a perfect spot. Which right, is part of that's yeah, going to Philly and being part of a great team. Uh, Kalen Kings dropped two spots. Um, I think he's still cornerback two on the list. He is. Uh, but he's dropped two spots down to 19, so almost out of the top 20. Um, as uh, and then there is another defensive back. So the question is, is Cooper DeJean a safety or a corner to you? He's a safety to me, but in the respect that he can, like, uh, I, I know I hate to make these kind of comparisons, but uh, I've talked about him as like a honey badger type of player, or like, um, you know, Jabril Peppers, maybe when he was coming out. Dejon's been even more productive in, in, as a college player than, than Jabril. And, but and to be fair, Jabril's finally found a spot in New England. I think he's played well. Honestly, I think he's played pretty well everywhere. But uh, it's never you know well enough to earn these big contracts. But, yeah. Kingsley Sumataya, a guy we've talked about uh, heading into the years, moving up into the first round. That's chatter. the uh, BYU offensive tackle. And they, yeah. this is interesting because – They've got him ranked 29th on the consensus board. But you look at that projection, he's getting drafted top 10. And then the, the people at Mock Draft Database know that offensive tackle is a big um, – it, the value causes these guys to go up. You know, quarterbacks, offensive tackles. We've seen it before with safeties, certainly pass rushers, lately receivers. So – we're seeing these guys get pushed up the board. A guy who might be ranked 30 on your board going top 10. That's interesting. A, a tale of two defensive backs, probably from a tale of two defenses. Denzel Burke makes his way up into the top 45, right at 45. Meanwhile, they're not uh, even you, throwing at him. Uh, yeah. Other teams aren't even throwing at Burke. I mean, he's played pretty well. He got hurt Saturday, though, so we got to monitor that. Meanwhile, USC. Safety, Kalen Bullock has dropped uh, down to 49. I guess their whole defense is playing poorly, so he's dropping, but he's still a ball hawk. He is a good ball player, but, I mean, when you look at it, there's there's guys right around him that have just 
been better and more productive this year. Mm-hmm. Um, it'll be interesting to, to watch. Uh, Cedric Van Pran, the, the Georgia center, he's up into you know the high 50s now. Um, I, you know, is he interior or lineman one, or is it Cooper Beebe who's you know gonna make the move from tackle to to interior offensive lineman? Like that'll be something to watch, right? Yeah, oftentimes there's a tackle that gets moved inside. We caught it last year with Skaronsky. A lot of people argued that he could be a tackle um, because his uh, because fellow Northwestern alum uh, Rishon Slater stayed at tackle despite being kind of shorter. Offensive lineman with shorter arms. But they've got Skronsky playing guard. Am I correct? I I think so, yeah. yeah. And then uh, Juice Leggett, Xavier Leggett from South Carolina, a guy that we've highlighted a couple times on here. We both really, really like, um, you know, not to not to make too much of a South Carolina comp but with the Debo Samuel situation. But, I mean, that guy has – and there's a reason his nickname's Juice, right? Like, that guy – that guy has it. Like he's, he's played he's, really well, yeah. And he's, he's been fun banged to watch. up and he's come back. Right. And he is legitimately <laughs> six three, right? Or like six two. Six two. Uh six three maybe in the first thing in the morning. But he's what <laughs> he's over two twenty, right? Yeah. And um do you look at you know, he got injured early in uh the season and he's back already from that. And you look at Marvin Harrison and some of these guys, they just they have almost like that LeBron James thing going on. Not that they're the greatest basketball player on the planet, but that they're made out of rubber. And right. when they get hurt, it's never as bad as it looks. You saw um, Marvin Harrison get his ankle rolled, and it looked like uh, Laquan Treadwell's injury almost. And then uh, later he's taped up and back in the game. Let me ask you this, and, and to correct ourselves on Cooper Beebe, he's played mostly left guard or right tackle this okay. year. So um, we just want to make sure we're always accurate in fact-checking ourselves. Um, and we're still not always accurate, but we try. Or fact-checking ourselves. Yeah. But, but so with this wide receiver class, are you – like if you're not getting Marvin Harrison Jr. or maybe uh, Malik Neighbors – uh, I know Keon Coleman is is really flying up boards right now. A lot he's, of people think he's the number two receiver in the class. Uh, so if you're missing out on those guys, what's the drop off? Let's say between Odunze, who's who's being mocked in the top twenty, and a guy like uh, Troy Franklin, who we talked about, or or you know, or uh, or Juice Leggett, you know, in or the, the six. Yeah, or Abuka. Well, Abuka is still being mocked in the top fifteen. Okay. But, okay. But like, what's the difference in those guys and and you know Franklin and Leggett who are being mocked in the in the fifties to sixties? Like, is is it that much of a difference if if we're talking about like I I'm just always curious what the what we're thinking here because. You and I are, you know, obviously you're huge Neighbors fans. Uh, Keon Coleman's been a revelation this year, getting away from Michigan State and whatever the hell was going on and is still going on there. But it's a circus, um, always there. But, but I mean, Odunze is fantastic, but, I mean, is he really 
35 spots better than Troy Franklin? Um, no, I think it's not an indictment of the guys that are ranked highly, but more like a the function depth. of the guys yeah. that are ranked 20 spots behind, not uh, people just not getting in on them yet, right? Right. Because um, I think those guys are going to actually move up. The Dunze and those guys are going to stay where they are. And you're going to have, we've talked about this, um, possibly on Patreon, but this is a wide receiver class. First of all, one of the best big receiver classes that we've seen in years and years. Yeah, we've seen yeah, so yeah. many small, skinny receivers over the years that are great, but now we have these with Harrison, with Coleman, with Odunze. Um, you got all these big guys that can play. We haven't even talked about Johnny Wilson, who's like the biggest one, and I think yeah. he's probably, you know, behind these these other guys that we're talking about. But, um, but even like Malik Neighbors is six foot and two hundred pounds. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's a little bigger about, than what we saw with uh, right. with Booty, right? And, yeah, and Troy Franklin's what six three? He's skinny, but right. Like, but like I mean, Pickens said, was like that six three two two hundred one ninety five something like that. Yeah, and so you look at these guys. It's just a different class. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we didn't even mention one of the one of the bigger risers, and that's Malachi Corley, a guy huh. who, who I yeah who I wrote about a couple weeks ago. I he mean, went to he's at Western Kentucky. Yeah, and, and he put up a good game against Ohio State, which is you know yeah. when you're looking at those when he's you're a looking slot type a flanker slot something. right because he's he is he's one of the smaller guys i mean he's built like a running back though right. he's one of those kind of running back guys at a 511 510 but they list him at 210 yeah he's kind like, of built like jarvis landry right yeah. um you know and, and he's a he's a volume guy for them like, remember uh, josh reed out of lsu yeah. for a while like he was pretty good he's, he's kind of built like that so, I know so Brugler, be- dame brugler likes him so it'll be interesting to see where where this how this wide receiver class ends up because you are going to inevitably end up with a situation where uh, you know people hotly disagree with with certain picks and then they're right or wrong or whatever. But I mean it it's going to be a good class. I mean you're going to have you're gonna you're going to have you know Sammy Watkins draft ahead of Mike Evans. And you're going to have Kelvin Benjamin, Marquise Lee drafted <laughs> in front of Devonte Adams. Like that's going to happen. Yeah, I was um, just going to say, like, who's going to be the first draft pick who breaks ranks and says that so and so is over Marvin Harrison Jr. Well, let me ask you this, and and obviously, you know, we both love Marvin Harrison Jr. But doesn't how consensus he is as the best receiver in the class? Doesn't that kind of ring true of what, what what was going on with Sammy Watkins coming out of Clemson as being like the clear cut wide receiver one in the class, like no doubt. And he went fourth overall, and then Mike Evans went went seventh. Right. You know, you had obviously Odell, who's had a fantastic career before injuries sapped him of a lot of it. Brandon Cooks, who's been kind of a, a journeyman. Um, but he puts up a thousand yards everywhere except Dallas, right? And then Devonte Adams is maybe the best of the bunch, I still or would maybe say he, Evans. Yeah, or maybe he just got to the best, most stable situation of the bunch. Devonte's right? fantastic, but Evans has like that record-breaking um, most consecutive seasons over a thousand to start a career. 
And, and then that doesn't even mention guys like, you know, Allen Robinson, Jarvis Landry. Like this is the, that's the type of class we're talking about here. So the, the biggest thing. We do thing, not make these kind of comparisons ever. Like, no. But we're the, serious the, here. Um, the biggest thing is you you just don't want to be the team that takes Paul Richardson or Cody Latimer, right? <laughs> well, and I liked Latimer. But I'll tell you this. I mean, you, you gave the 2014 example. I was actually one of the draft next who had who liked Mike Evans over Sammy Watkins. I'm sure I still had I, – I don't even think I have those files anymore, but I, I'm sure I had Watkins still as a first-round pick. But I'm pretty sure I, – I, I know for a fact I had Evans as my number one receiver. I'm pretty sure I had Odell over Watkins as well. But you, um, you know, uh, I, I just don't see Marvin getting unseated here. I think he's kind of in the, I'm not comparing him to, as a prospect, but I think he's kind of in the Calvin Johnson area where he's just almost cemented. And, um, but the thing is in the Twitter age and the X age, we saw, you know, how good was Jamar Chase? And there were still people nitpicking him throughout the draft process. And he's been incredible Dude, there was there was people pick, nitpicking him for when he was at cincinnati and they were like he in can't see the football yeah because it doesn't have the white stripe on it as if 2019 let's, uh didn't exist let's get uh to a hot take and get you out of here i'm man. gonna love this hot take uh so you mentioned an interesting heisman potential favorite right now what if there was another SEC quarterback transfer that maybe is playing just as well, if not better, than than Jaden Daniels? I'm listening. And, and oh, by the way, uh, gets a crack in two weeks to upset Georgia, the number one team um, in the country. And that's, that's none other than Wisconsin great Graham Mertz. Uh, let me let me read this to you. This is from obviously a Florida Gators uh, fan site at uh, uh, Gator Season Season S Z N for the X. Uh, Graham Mertz has more passing yards than Dylan Gabriel, Sam Hartman, Bo Nix, Spencer Rattler, Quinn Ewers, and Jordan Travis. More passing touchdowns than Rattler. Jalen Milrow, I wouldn't have thrown that one in there, but whatever. Uh, Quinn Ewers and Kyle McCord. A better completion percentage than Michael Penix, Caleb Williams, Shadur Sanders, Jaden Daniels, and Dylan Gabriel. And less interceptions than Sanders, Penix, Hartman, Williams, and J.J. McCarthy. And and the tagline is, Heis Mertz <laughs> is proving everyone wrong. Okay, um, yeah. Is... Is Graham Mertz in Florida? I mean, they're five and two, mm-hmm. which ironically is good enough to have LSU ranked, but not good enough to have Florida ranked. Hmm. Um, but Mertz, you know, seventy six percent completion percentage, twelve touchdowns to two interceptions, so not nearly as prolific. Yeah, Jaden Daniels has like Daniels. ten more touchdown passes. So is Caleb. And almost uh, ni- just we'll call it nineteen hundred yards because it's eighteen hundred ninety-seven. So okay. nineteen hundred yards, um, and only the two picks. He's played obviously well. Um, I mean, I think you can potentially make a case that he deserves in the conversation 
after October 28th. But <laughs> if they lose on October 28th to Georgia, even if he plays well, like I just talked about with Jaden Daniels, the uh, the three-loss rule basically takes them out of the conversation for better or worse. Unless they have, the, like, another huge upset later. Right. Right. Against which I would assume would just have to be Florida State at that point. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess they get LSU, Missouri, and Florida State. So they've got three top 20 teams left after Georgia. Obviously, that's uh, that can all change. Um, let me ask you this, though. This is, this is what my question would be. Uh, LSU scores 45.3 points per game. Um, Florida scores... 29 points per game they're basically smack dab in the middle of of all of that they uh they're they're 67th in the country in points per game um their scoring defense is 31st compared to lsu's which is i believe 101st so i mean Yes, Mertz is playing well and better than you and I probably expected after what we witnessed in the Big Ten for uh, four years. But at the same time, he's doing a lot of things to make sure that he gives the Gators a chance to win without probably making them win if that makes sense it it does make sense and but the thing is like okay he's not heisman candidate in my opinion i would Um, agree with that statement too however i will say this what you just mentioned is something he wasn't able to do at wisconsin like they would they would get behind the eight ball because he would make mistakes and the way he's playing right now if you look at their first game i forget who they were playing but he made an early mistake that kind of got them behind and then he ended up playing pretty well the rest of the game and and that was against utah uh uh-huh and so that's one of their two losses Uh, but he hasn't done that this year and let's say this real quick the two losses are what is going to hurt mertz more than anything because in the two losses as the quarterback his offenses have scored 25 total points in those two games like that's basically unforgivable if you are the quarterback. It, it's just not It, it does to... reflect poorly on you. However, what I'm getting at is we're not seeing him play as clumsy, as careless as what we saw at Wisconsin. Um, when he burst onto the scene with Wisconsin, he looked like he was going to be a legit prospect. And uh, people got really excited about him. But the fact remains, even though... Um, he didn't have, <coughs> excuse me, a great end to the Wisconsin run. Um, he does have some talent. He's got he's got a good arm. He can run. He's got good size. He he doesn't really use his mobility. You're going to see like negative rushing yards with him. But this is a guy, and and this is funny that you bring this take because and um, Seth brought this take to me earlier today. I had actually texted uh, Seth yesterday, or earlier actually. In the day before, I knew about this take, and I said, "Have you seen Graham Mertz's numbers?" And he's he's like, "Are they good or bad?" <laughs> and I said, "He was SEC Offensive Player of the Week this week, seventy six percent completions, or uh, or he was on the All SEC team this week. He was the quarterback on the All SEC team, 
Uh, and on the year, 76, 76 completion percentage, uh, 12 touchdowns, two interceptions. Like, he's taking care of the ball. He's getting um, he's getting the ball out quickly, and he's completing his passes. So, I will – this hot take about him being in the Heisman, of course, it came from a Florida Gators fan account, but that's fine. Um you know, I, I let me throw Kyle McCord's name in the hat, but the fact of the matter is that uh, Graham Mertz has so far he's gone from also ran afterthought to draftable quarterback. Let me throw one more thing at you um, a guy we haven't even mentioned talking about all these wide receivers is Ricky Pearsall, oh my who's God. played extremely well this season he is making some highlight reel circus catches it's the one he made a couple weeks ago he extends with one hand down the middle of the field i wish this was a video podcast and i knew anything about how to make videos um but he extends with one hand down the middle field gets sandwiched between two guys that holds onto the ball it was one of the best catches i've seen this year and he's four catches away from setting a career high in receptions in a season and uh, 42 yards away from setting career high in receiving yards in a season. Um, needless to say, obviously, if he stays healthy, he's going to get there. Uh, he had a 10-catch, 166-yard and one-touchdown game against South Carolina this week uh, in their win. He's just been really, really good Um and he's ranked the 33rd receiver in this class. <laughs> and I, I don't know all 32 names in front of him, but uh, he's it's Mr. To, reliable. Right. It's hard to see him going that far down. Um, it's also how easy well... to see him go undrafted. And if Bill Belichick's still hanging around the NFL, <laughs> get, getting him as an undrafted rookie. and, and... Well, he is supposed to rub, run a sub 4-5. So. Oh, okay. At least he's got that for him, and he does have a chest tattoo, so he's got that going for him too. That's that's good. I think that's good for receiver, but not for quarterback, right? Right. right. Yeah. So, uh, anything else before we get out of here? No, just thanks to all of you listeners for being patient with us this year. Again, I think we'll be able to be more consistent going forward. But um, and thanks as always to our patrons over on Patreon. And again, um, I'm gonna. Rig it so that uh, the billing gets skipped in November. So if you want to join in November, that's a good time. Uh, I'll un I'll unpause the billing after I make sure everybody who's already a Patreon a patron gets the bonus month, and then um, yeah, join up, listen to us, uh, and read our articles because we've got some great under the radar names. Um, if you would have, uh, if you had been a subscriber, if you are a subscriber and you have caught early on, you would have known the name Malachi Corley early on before that Buckeye game. Um, and some other great names that are going to be late round picks for your team. And you're going to want to know them, especially if you play like, you know, like, uh, Seth and I, the degenerates that we are playing in like dynasty, deep dynasty fantasy leagues and things like that. So, uh, great names to know, and, and again, thanks to all of you who support the show. We love doing it, and uh, hopefully we'll be able to do it with more regularity going forward. Yes, thanks as always for listening, everybody, and we'll be back uh, later this week with a bonus episode. Have a good night.